Welcome. It is week 10 of 10 for our Philemon project. Special hello to Thurman and Luke. Hey, you see this bow tie, Jimmy? This is a bow tie from a real this is from a real school, the University of Kansas. All right. Okay. Oh my gosh. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start taking that personally now. <laughs> <laughs> read them, read them and weep. These are little Jayhawks on my tie. Yes, yes. During <laughs> March and basketball season, it's the right time to talk about it. We don't yeah, talk- Clemson does Clemson fans don't have much to say. In March Madness time. <laughs> yeah, we could we can only talk trash when it's basketball season. That's right. Thurman, how are you today? Oh, great, guys. Great to be with y'all. Great okay. to see y'all again. Very good. And Steven's here uh, with us at InTown. Uh, I want to say welcome to everyone mm-hmm. who's joining us this morning. And um, we're going to do several things today. We're going to have a just a, a brief recap of where we've been and why it matters. And then we're going to talk about where we go from here. That's the real topic of the morning. And uh, we'll lead it kind of like a, an interview. And I'll be asking questions to each of our guests, uh, Stephen and Thurman and Luke. Um, we have a couple of other things we want to do along the way. Uh, a couple of business items. We'll take care of those real quickly. And then we hope that we'll have plenty of time this morning to do some Q&A. So be ready to uh, put your questions in the the chat on our Zoom call as we go through the morning. And we'll get to as many of those questions as we're able in the time that remains toward the end of our hour this morning. Uh, One of the first things that I want to do today is to pray. And then we're going to take a picture because a request has been made that while the four of us are on screen. Oh, wow. we would uh, we'd have a picture. So, Nigel, after our prayer, if you could uh, put on screen the the shots that we pinned, and uh, then I think Sue Birch is going to capture a screenshot for us, and I'll I'll get us to smile, you know, so that we uh, so we look our best, uh, even if we're wearing <laughs> ties. Uh, so, before any more trash talk, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for all that you do and all that you mean to your people. No matter when we have lived or where we have lived, no matter what we have brought to you in terms of our background, our experience, no matter the arrogance with which we have stood before you thinking that we don't need you, you are ready to forgive and to receive and welcome us as you receive and welcome and love your own son, Jesus, not because of anything we have done, but because of all that he has done, not because of what we are, but because of who he is. We are staggered by your great love, Father. We ask that you would pour it out on us again today. Bless this time together. Uh, Bless our time together later in worship. Open our hearts now and make us ready to learn from what the Holy Spirit will teach us through this time. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so are we ready to smile and have our, our picture taken? All right, I, I get to be the, uh, oh, we got, Olga's going to join us too. <laughs> okay, here we go. One, two, three, smile guys. And we'll, Bruce just got his picture. Uh, his shot from the back of the room. Yes. I hope that uh, Sue got one, and if not, then we'll have one from from Bruce. Um, 
All right, before we dive in with uh, a bit of a recap, there's an important announcement that we need to celebrate. Thurman Williams, um, a, a big announcement came out this week. I'm going to remind everybody what that was if they haven't had a chance to hear it. Many at InTown are already aware of this because we've been doing our best to communicate it. But Thurman Williams has been appointed um, the director of homiletics at Covenant Theological Seminary. And uh, homiletics is a, a fancy word for preaching. So Thurman will be in charge of the entire program, not teaching just one course. Uh, or <laughs> there's Luke celebrating. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're just incredibly thankful, uh, Thurman, and, and yes. uh, glad for you and glad for our uh, seminary. For those who don't know, Covenant Theological Seminary is the denominational seminary of mm-hmm. Uh, in town's parent denomination, the PCA, Presbyterian Church in America. And uh, so we're just super excited. Thurman, tell us a little bit about what this means for you and um, what it means for your ministry and and some of the things you're excited about. Man, thank you guys so much. Thank you. And and I'm sorry, we've had to keep it secret for a little while, (laughs) Um, just until it, it actually became public this week. Um, I'm just beyond excited and humbled by by this privilege and opportunity. Um, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything more than what I'm doing right now in terms of pastoring the church that I pastor and getting to do this role. Um, it's, it's a dream, beyond a dream job to me. Um, it, it's interesting. One of the things I had to do right away was um, I I sent a message to our people in our church and all the people that support us, letting them know this this is coming out, to say, I'm not leaving. This is just a part-time job. Um, And one of the questions people have had all along, too, is is how are you going to do that and stay married? Like, (laughs) having your wife throw you out of the house. And actually, my wife is very, very excited about this. And what's going to happen is is my commitments with M and A. Sorry, Angela, if she's on here, and uh, and Jim Wirt, um, my commitments with M and A are going to end. I'm I'm the chairman of the M and A committee, national, and the, and and that's going to end um, at General Assembly. It looks like that's going to be in June, and this new position won't start until July the first. So we so my wife said I want you to do it, but you got to quit the other thing first. <laughs> Um, and be able to do that. And so it's not going to add more time total to what I'm already doing. Um, It is going to be a shift. And one of the things I asked about was, um, was there going to be freedom to, to, to be me and and to be able to bring some of me to what this position is. And they, they wanted that. Um, Mm. We want to keep some of the things that are distinctive already in terms of Christ center preaching and some of the things that Zach brought, um, in terms of the, the cultural apologetics, and Luke worked with with those guys so well with the Schaefer Institute, and, and I want to keep all of that. But I also wanted to be able to bring some of the things that um, that we've learned and and been Im- impacted by from um, the African American church in preaching, and bringing being able to bring some of those things to the whole of preaching, not just to black preaching, but to preaching in general. And they were very excited about that. And I am as well. And just looking forward to it. Great. Yeah, we're so excited and uh, so thankful. Um, I'll just 
you know, read a few of the, uh, the things in the chat and uh, you'll see people just saying congratulations and yippee and, and glad for you, but not only for you, but glad for the seminary and its students as well. So uh, that's just a small expression of how thankful we are for you and for this new part of your calling uh, as well. So I just read Ed Lynn's comment. <laughs> okay. Ed, thank you. What did, Ed. <laughs> what did Ed say? I missed that one. Ed said, if they don't let you be you, we'll stop all donations. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, there that we was, go. oh, sorry. Ed, that was just to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's out there now, oh, brother. Oh, my and, bad. And, it's, and it's recorded, too. It's recorded. Oh, man. Ed, I'm sorry, man. We can have Nigel <laughs> take care of that for us. I didn't see that privately till the end. Nigel can okay. hook that up. Well, um, okay, one, one more announcement, and then we'll, uh, we'll get to Philemon. And the announcement, it's, it's actually going to start in the form of a question. Uh, we, we've talked about a basketball season and uh, lovely neckwear. We've talked about Thurman's big announcement. Um, something big's coming up in your life, I think, <laughs> Stephen. Is that right? Tell uh, yeah. us about it. What's yeah. happening? So Thursday, I will take my written uh, licensure test for uh, ordination, the first step to it. And uh, if I pass, I will then move on to the, ver the oral examination. And okay. then I'll be fully licensed in the PCA and then have one more hurdle to <laughs> jump over to be ordained. Yeah, so uh, big week. So you can pray for Stephen um, preparing for a, a written licensure examination in our presbytery mm. this week. And um, that's, uh, that's enough to make you sweat a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, please folks pray for Stephen this week as well. Now, how's that going to impact birthday celebrations? Yeah, so my birthday is tomorrow, um, and we're doing some Passion Week things at the church. So I'll actually be attending staff meetings, and then I'll be serving for like a five-hour block. Okay. And then I'll, I'll go home and try to salvage the rest of my birthday with my family. <laughs> and then I guess uh, Tuesday, bright and early, I'll be you know, back in the cramming. Right, right. Cramming phase. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll just see how it works out. But tomorrow I'm expecting to be very busy. Sounds like a, sounds like a busy day. Yes. Well, I hope that we get well for you and uh, that time on Thursday. Thank well. you. Appreciate it. Yep. Um, so just a quick recap of where we've been over 10 weeks. Um, Stephen and I were talking earlier and someone has asked him, you know, could, could we get like a one hour summary of what happened over the past 10 weeks. And, and Stephen said, well, that's a little bit unfair. Um, and so I'm going to try the impossible now, which is like the one minute version. Oh. And it's very simple. It goes like this. Um, we've been looking at scripture. We've been letting this uh, little letter of Philemon, the last uh, of Paul's letters as they're listed in sequence in the New Testament. Uh, 25 verses, very short, but we've been letting that draw us into um, thinking about relationships and reality. So uh, what's the relationship between a man named Philemon and a man named Onesimus look like as it's transformed by the gospel? What does a relationship between a first century slaveholder, Philemon, 
and a first century slave, Onesimus. What does that relationship look like because of the transforming power and grace of the gospel? And uh, how did these two men get reconciled, not just to God through Christ, but to one another? Uh, so the book of Philemon calls us to examine relationships, but also bigger realities. Philemon and Onesimus lived in a culture where slavery was considered normal. It was a part of uh, how everyday life worked in the Roman Empire, and it was a part of the normal reality of many households in the Roman Empire. Um, <clears throat> how does the gospel transform that reality? How does the gospel call first century Christians to lean into and against uh, this structure that seems so normal as part of their culture, but that according to scripture is not consistent with God's design in creation, and it's not consistent with God's design in redemption. So we've been following the lead of those questions from the book of Philemon. We've been following that throughout other threads of scripture and other books of the Old Testament and New Testament, really just trying to ask, what does the gospel say to us about relationships and those larger realities, and uh, how does it transform? Um, today, we're going to wrap up by asking this question, where do we go from here? Uh, what's next? If someone has been learning over the past 10 weeks, and they want to continue that learning, someone's been growing, they want to continue that growing, uh, what should they do? How should they begin? Uh, what are the paths, the the tracks, so to speak? I'm a bit of a a train fan. So I tend to think of, you know, laying down the tracks that the train's going to run on as it pulls out of the station. What are the tracks? And so uh, I get to ask you guys that question. Hmm. And I'm going to start with Luke Bobo. Luke, can I ask you um, for your thoughts on what what's next? Where, where do folks go from here? Um, thank you, um, Jimmy, for that question. So if I know trains... Uh, well, there's only two tracks, right? Two tracks. And I think scripture provides the identity of those two tracks. Love God, love neighbor. And I, I cannot get any more profound than that. If we love God and love our neighbor, as I've been saying for the last 10 weeks, we will come close and listen and engage, we will fight for uh, injustices to overcome injustices. And you guys there in Georgia have just been served up one. And that's um, most recently, didn't someone just sign into law that water cannot be given to people in line who are waiting to vote? Didn't something like that happen there in Georgia, the state? Yep. So God, God in his, in his sense of humor continue, continuously serves up opportunities for us as believers to love God and to love your neighbor. So that's my answer. Great. Well, thank you, Luke. Um, Thurman, how about you next? What would you say to folks as they're asking the question, hey, where, where, where do we go from here? Um, a few things I was thinking, and, and a lot of this I'm stealing from Luke Bobo, um, which is a great source. Um, not, fair, not fair, not <laughs> fair. Um, 
But I, I, I just was really struck by, as I was thinking about that, um, a passage that Luke spoke on um, way back in his teaching from Micah 6, 8. Um, and that, to me, I know it's a train track usually has, there's two tracks, but this is three in that um, in that passage. Think of it as a Presbyterian sermon. You know, it's got three points. Um, and the first is is to do justice. And again, I want to steal from Luke. I love what he said um, in that, like the the idea of that term social justice, which can be kind of a weird term. It's actually redundant because there 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 has to be a social aspect in justice. Uh, I thought he made a great great point with that. And all that to say is is that we're friends now, not just brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, across, you know, many miles and, and things like that. But we're friends, um, all of us together. And so now things that, that affect us, they affect you. And so you step in and you do justice because um, you can't allow the things to, that affect your brother and sister whom you love to, to go unchecked or unspoken to. Um, and then that second part after do justice is to love mercy. And there, I, I think that word is, is the word that steadfast love and love his steadfast love, the Lord's steadfast love, first of all, for you, um, in that you are a recipient of that in Christ. And that is your identity. That's the foundation for what you do. And that sets you free to be able to to face anything that you need to face and know that it doesn't impact your worth or identity or dignity. Um, if there's something in us that's that's wrong, you know, search me, oh God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. You can do that in full confidence um, in, in the Lord's mercy and love for you. Um, but then also you want to see that mercy extended to other people who need to receive it. And then the third part of that Micah 6.8 is to walk humbly with God. <laughs> and is there anything, is there any subject um, where there's a greater call to walk humbly than thinking about issues of race and justice in our time um, and admitting that we don't know everything? Um, there's things that we don't see, or maybe there's places where we've been wrong, um, and we can face that if we walk humbly with our God. And so those three things I think do justly love mercy walk humbly with God and figuring out practically what does that look like um, day in and day out as we go forward thanks sermon all right Stephen <clears throat> so up. my yeah my my three steps uh, are now down to two because Thurman and Luke have sufficiently um, hijacked what I had to say so <laughs> Um, my first thing is in the form of a question. Um, do we see ourselves in the story of the Bible identifying with God's covenant people in the Old Testament? I ask that question because it, it really allows us to let the entire Bible shape the way that we view God and his commands. Do we see ourselves in that story? Or are those people that we read about in Hebrews 11 just somehow detached from what God's been doing since the beginning of time. The second question is, do you, do you believe, do we believe, Christians in town, that 
we are united to Jesus and his experience, a la Ephesians 2 and Hebrews 2. What I mean by that is, are we okay with not having power so that we can have victory? Are we okay with suffering so that as Christ was humiliated and exalted, we too will be exalted? Or do we feel we need this power in order to have victory? One, one of those two means that we are fully united and trusting in and relying in the finished work of Christ. And the other one says, yeah, that's good and that's great and good for him, but I need this instead. Hmm. I'm sure we all know which one is the biblical one. Stephen, can I ask you to say a little bit more about why do you think it's so important that we see ourselves as part of the biblical story? What, what could go wrong in terms of our relationships with Christians of other ethnicities, other nationalities, people whose background is different from our own? Hmm. What could go wrong if we, in, in that regard, if we don't see ourselves as part of the biblical story? How will seeing ourselves in the text as part of God's people Help us in that. Flesh that out for us a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, so just to kind of take the, the, the three points that I've already learned from the Prince of Preachers, uh, homiletics professor, um, Thurman. Um, if, if we don't let the entire Bible shape us, we don't see ourselves in that story, then God hasn't been forming a, a people for, from, for himself from every people, tribe, tongue, and nation. Secondly, Jesus didn't die for all those people. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit has not been giving the conversion and regenerating power to believe and repent and then live like we are actually new to live. Like um, God has planned this. Jesus has done the work and the Holy Spirit has applied this redemption to us. Uh, it, It really does matter because if we don't imbibe the story of the Bible, we are tempted to imbibe the story of America. And folks, Christianity started in Africa, Asia, before it ever hit these lands. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Stephen. One of the things that impresses me, I'm thinking of a a sermon that was preached by Thurman. When you were here with us a few weeks ago uh, in Atlanta, and uh, you were talking about the Exodus, and you were talking about what it means as God's people uh, to be slaves, right? And, and to, to see slavery as part of our past. And I, I think as a, a white Christian in, in the United States, it's very easy to assume that, oh, well, you know, black Christians in the United States would really identify with that story because they know what it is to have people, my people, were once enslaved. Mm. But if I see myself as part of the biblical narrative and I see myself as a son of Abraham, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and Abraham had this faith that looked forward to the coming of Christ. And Paul makes the case that everybody who has faith in Christ has, has now stepped into that story. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- those are my people who are enslaved in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they spoke a language I have never learned to speak, I learned to read a little bit of it, right? Um, and uh, but but I've I've never learned to speak fluent Hebrew. I I I don't have the same kind of hair that uh, ethnic uh, Israelites 
have, and I don't have the same kind of skin tone. I don't like the same kinds of food. I, the more I eat Mediterranean food, the more I learn to love it. But um, that's not somebody else's story. Uh-huh. And, um, and there's something wrong if I'm not seeing myself in the text at a point of saying, you know what, I am part of a people who has been enslaved and then liberated yeah. from slavery. I am part of a people that has suffered in some seasons of life. The church has been bitterly persecuted, mm-hmm. and in other seasons, the church has flourished, and in other times and places. I'm part of a people that lives this crucifixion-resurrection narrative, Yeah, joined to Christ, and therefore joined to all of his people. Mm-hmm. And um, so it it's tempting to take certain slices of the Bible and say, well, that's this part of the Bible is really talking about my kind of Christian experience. Yeah. And that part of the Bible is talking about somebody else's mm-hmm. part of Christian experience. But Stephen, I hear you calling us to say we're part of the people of God and that brings the whole package. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Um, there, there's a group of men that I've led before in the Bible study and we were talking about the, the death and res- resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, one of the takeaways is when you think about the death of Jesus, we all say yes and amen, good for us. When you think about the resurrection, it's usually, well, that's good for him. Mm-hmm. And see, so we, we forget that we are living with the resurrected Christ, with this power, you know, through, through the Holy Spirit. We forget all the great things, the benefits of being in Christ that come to us because he got up. It wasn't just a death. Folks, if we are just relying on the death and we have a dead savior and our faith is of all things to be pitied. You know, everything that Paul said in the first part of 1 Corinthians 15 is true. If we only stop with the burial, we have to live in light of the resurrection. And that's also a part of the Jews and the Gentiles story connecting, right? There's a reason why, why that wall was torn down. And now you have the, the ones who were far off, the ones who were near, now become this one new humanity. This, this is our story. We have to live in this and think on this, especially as things continue to stay or get more and more tougher and divisive in America. We have to let the story of Christ reside. Amen. Well, um, I'd love to take a crack at answering my own question. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys for uh, giving me feedback. So during this last couple of weeks uh, in town, so you know, I've I've been working on pulling a lot of threads together and creating a document that we can post online early next week uh, with some thoughts about these next steps. And um, I'd love to share a a bit of what I've sketched out there. Um, When we do post that document, you'll you'll hear, you know, Luke's kind of train track, love God, love neighbor rhythm. You'll hear uh, Thurman's three-part three rhythm and, and a lot of what Stephen has said as well, which I suspect we'll hear a little bit of in a sermon later today awesome. also. Um, I really just want to focus on uh, three things. Because I know railroad history, um, okay, there are places where you can go and find three train tracks, right? Where uh, in, in, oh. in some places, the train. Okay, were with, okay. With... Expanded tracks. Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes being a nerd can hurt, and and you know more than you should, and and maybe about things that aren't as useful, right? <laughs> but here's your 
here's your train history lesson that, uh, uh, you know, back before the, uh, say, mid-1800s, the width of the rails was not standardized. And so uh, the locomotives were made with wheels that are different widths. And so sometimes they put down a third rail so that you could bring a, a wider locomotive onto the track. And uh, so Thurman, there's hope after all for that three-point Presbyterian Thurman model. We can marry it to, uh, to Luke's, you know, twofold train track, love God, love neighbor. And then we can throw a third one in there too. Um, so I, I'm going to jump on that, uh, that third uh, rail model. And uh, just three things I'm thinking of in terms of uh, next steps, particularly as I'm thinking of uh, being the pastor of in town, a large church, um, diverse church, uh, with lots of different experiences and backgrounds and uh, levels of excitement or anxiety about engaging around topics of justice and race. Um, what do we do? Well, first thing I would say is let's, let's commit to pray. We spent 10 weeks learning. Let's, can you spend 10 weeks praying? Oh. Um, let's pray for the first thing Jesus teaches us to pray about, uh, the Lord's prayer. You know, he starts uh, saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to pray, not based on uh, expecting change to come because we're awesome, not expecting change to come because we're part of a cause that's uh, great, but expecting change to come into our world on earth as it is in heaven because the Father is good. Oh. Our Father, our, our prayer begins there. Our Father, because you're good and you love us, we, we expect and hope for good things to happen in this world, on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, let's pray for God's will to be done. I, it is God's will for a church from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation yeah. to be united in worship of Christ. We know that that is his will. It's clear in scripture. Let's pray for the Father's will to be done and not wait for that to be done someday in heaven because Jesus teaches us to pray our father because of your goodness and love may your will be done in this regard on earth it won't be done perfectly on earth before Jesus returns but we don't let uh, that failure to achieve perfection in the here and now keep us from praying for progress oh. and real change and growth in our own hearts our father your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. Can we commit to pray? Here's where I have to kind of check myself because there's a part of me that says, ah, prayer is not really, give me something to do, you know, something concrete. Can I do something? And Jesus says, yeah, you can do something. Here's something to do. Do this every day. Pray for daily bread. <laughs> pray this prayer every day. That is, that's something to do. Uh, it's something we should commit to. Um, a second thing that I've thought of is uh, what, what can you do to cultivate curiosity and cultivate cultural humility? Uh, what, what can you do 
to learn more about a culture that isn't your own? What can you do to learn more about the ways in which your cultural background has, has shaped, uh, given you lenses uh, to look through? And, and sometimes those lenses are helpful. They line up with the lens of Scripture. Uh-huh. And sometimes those lenses aren't so helpful. They may line up with something that's not biblical. So, um, you, you know, you may come from a culture that's very individualistic and you read scripture passages that are meant to be about community as though they were just about the individual. Uh-huh. And uh, so that, that'd be an example of a, a cultural lens that's not helping you line up with scripture. Um, what are some ways that we could do that? Well, one, one thing I'd recommend is uh, Ben Allen works with a program here at InTown called InTown for Peace. And um, some of you may think, oh, yeah, I know Ben. Ben works with ESL, English as a Second Language. And, uh, well, that's part of what Ben does. But another big part of what Ben does is he teaches people from different cultures how to uh, love one another and befriend one another and to be more aware of the cultural differences that could become barriers but be aware of that in a way that, that instead of barriers, they become uh, part of the, the fabric of the relationship. And so uh, contact Ben. Look on our website, In Town for Peace. You'll see lots of different avenues to pursue there. And uh, I'll leave it to Ben to talk to you about which of those is best for you and uh, you know, how, how, how much you'd like to commit to. It may be a, you know, kind of a two-hour training seminar. It may be a 10-week uh, training it, it may be something longer term. Ben has all kinds of flexible options, but that's a great uh, avenue. Um, and I'll suggest others when I finally get this document online. But I'll I'll start with that one. Here's my third. So if first was committing to pray. Second is can can we commit to being um, learners, curious, and uh, humble as we learn about cultures other than our own. Um, The third is this, prepare to push through discomfort. This is not always comfortable, is it? Not at all. (laughs) Stephen's shaking his head. Um, It's not always easy to have conversations about racism. It's not always easy to have conversations about unjust social structures. I suspect that if we lived in first century uh, Colossae, as our brothers Philemon and Onesimus did, it wouldn't have been comfortable to have a conversation about the institution of slavery. Because Philemon would have been leaning into that conversation thinking, what's the big deal? This is normal and natural. It's just how our society works. Onesimus probably had a very different perspective. Um, Is it natural to be treated like a living animal when you're actually a human being? Is it normal to be treated like an animated tool? Is it normal to work really hard and not get paid? Um, That's got to be an awkward and uncomfortable conversation in first century Colossae. There are plenty of awkward and uncomfortable conversations for us to have in our day. And so I just want to encourage us all to push through that discomfort. Um, 
I've thought of three ways, and some of it's based on just interaction with these brothers. Some of it's based on reading that I've been doing, that, that we've been doing, and, and talking about what we're reading and sharing, uh, comparing notes. Some of this um, discomfort we had to push through is just plain awkwardness, uh-huh. just kind of strange. Tabiti um, Anyabwile tells the story of how, you know, uh, toddlers and five and six-year-olds on a playground, they do this awkward kind of thing where they walk up to each other and say, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> and then at some point, we stop doing that because it just seems a little weird. And he says, just be weird. You know, is it a little awkward to walk up to Stephen and say, hey, man, will you be my friend? Can we just hang out? Can can we compare notes about what it's like to be a Christian in Atlanta in the 21st century? Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay for awkward things to happen. It's okay to be a little weird in pursuing friendship. Uh, push through the awkwardness. Some of it's going to be miscommunication, not just awkwardness, but miscommunication. If you come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different sets of expectations, mm-hmm. um, miscommunication. Over the past year, I have emailed and said out loud things that have offended Thurman and Luke and Stephen. I have said things that they had to say to me, you know, Jimmy, that didn't cross the line, but it came pretty close. Let me tell you why someone like me uh, really shrinks back when I hear language like that. Miscommunication, even among people who love each other and who, who know that we intend well, miscommunication can happen. We're going to have to push through that. You're going to have to get used to putting your foot in your mouth sometimes. And then in repentance and asking for forgiveness, reconciliation, healing that and moving past it. Don't don't engage relationships with people of other backgrounds when you're convinced you can do it perfectly Uh mistake free. Say that again, brother. Right. Say that again. because it's not going to happen, is it? Oh, <laughs> it's not going to happen mistake free. OK, I and mean, here's my last category. It actually comes from this is from Romans chapter 15. So I want to read a verse or two for us. Um, the very first verse of the chapter, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. But Christ didn't please himself as it is written. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So Jesus was willing to bear insult, offense, reproach. That naturally didn't belong to him. It didn't belong to him personally because of anything he had done. And yet, because of love for us, he bore that. Here the Apostle Paul is saying to a church that's having a lot of conflict. And Stephen, you've spoken to us Uh about this, right? Thurman has spoken to us about it. Luke has spoken to us about it. The weak, strong conflict, the Jew-Gentile conflict Uh in the first century. And and this wasn't minor league conflict. You know, this is actually a church where the Jewish Christians were in the minority for the first couple decades. And then all of the Jews, including Jewish Christians, were expelled from Rome under the emperor Claudius. Gentile Christians became the majority group in the church during that season. 
when the Jewish Christians came back to Rome, they were coming back to a church where the balance of power had shifted. These were people who were in a world that was upside down. There was that level of conflict. And the Apostle Paul says, be willing to go to the mat for people who disagree with you. Paul is not saying be ready to be insulted because you belong to a group of people who share your views on everything. He says be ready to be insulted because you belong to the church and be ready to bear insult because of people you disagree with. Um, Carl Ellis talks about, uh, I know Carl is one of your mentors, Stephen. Yes. He talks about being insulted for being a, a Marxist by some people mm-hmm. and an Uncle Tom by other people. Correct. Right. So sort of from both sides, he's bearing insult because he's talking about issues of race from a Christian perspective. Uh-huh. So he's not remaining silent about them because of his Christianity, but he's not talking about them in the same ways that a, a perspective without Christ would talk about them. And so he bears a lot of heat from both directions. And I, I think we have to be ready to do that, to, to be insulted uh, because we are coming close and listening to be insulted because we are doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with God to, to be insulted because we're trying to learn more about how to love God and love our neighbor because we're trying to belong to the, the whole people of God as we're described throughout all of scripture, not just a narrow slice of it. Um, be ready to be insulted. Um, I, I think that's, that's just part of our job description as Christians, right? Romans 15 is there uh, for us, whether we live in a racist society or not. Whatever the problem in the society is, Romans 15 is there. And so this is part of the job description of being a believer. And um, certainly in this moment in time, in this nation, uh, talking about these kinds of issues of, of justice, and of racism, we have to be ready to bear insult. And so I want to speak just a word of thanks to you three brothers, because I know in some of our private conversations, you said to me that you often bear insult because of your willingness to engage with white Christians. Uh, Sometimes you are insulted and others take offense. Um, and, and you challenged me to be ready to bear insult. Um, and so I just want to say thanks to you guys for doing that, for doing that with patience and grace over years. Um, I want to learn from you how to do that with grace. To, to bear up under insult and not, um, not with complaint or grumbling, but with a kind of patient endurance that comes from the Holy Spirit. Oh. All right, so those are my uh, three, three train tracks. If I'm allowed to introduce a third, 
uh, brother Luke. You're, you're the um, pastor. You can do uh, that. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm not trying to improve on Jesus, right? <laughs> love God, love neighbor. So, um, and, and just for the, you know, just to clarify, there were never any locomotives that had three wheels. Okay. So you can't improve on what Jesus did. Love God, love neighbor. But uh, when you need to be Presbyterian and introduce that third point, you can reach back to uh, obscure railroad history to make your point. So um, let's commit to pray. Let's commit to uh, this curiosity and, and cultural humility. Let's commit to being prepared to push through the discomfort, whether it comes in the form of just plain awkwardness or, or actually bearing insult and offense. Um, so in town, I'll keep working on that document, pulling thoughts together that we have all shared. Thanks, brothers, for your input and feedback on that. And we'll get that posted early next week. And uh, it'll be a living document. I think it'll keep growing over the next few months as we learn more. Um, but I wanted to take uh, a moment and respond to some questions. So uh, Thurman, Luke, Stephen, I'm going to check on our chat here. And, and I see one a question that's come up that I'd love for one or more of you to dive in. Others, if you have questions, feel free to put those in the chat as well. But um, here's a question about, uh, now, this is, um, this one might be dangerous. Just warning <laughs> you, okay? Uh-oh. You know, that part about insult, uh, it, it gets real in a hurry. Here's a question. If we're called to be ready to be insulted huh. are there times when we're also called to be ready to to offend what's some pastoral guidance and wisdom on 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 that issue of offense where's the appropriate christian offense giving and where is it gone beyond that appropriateness how do we how do we um, how do we prepare to to be called to uh, create offense in proper ways. All right. Who wants to take that one? I, I'll start. Um, and we'll let, Thurm, let Thurman and um, Stephen fill in the gaps. So I, I would say this. Um, number one, uh, the, the gospel itself is offensive. And so if I just if I say gospel saturated things, if I live the gospel, I'm going to be offensive. That's the first thing. Secondly, I will say this. Um, if you, if you study the life of Jesus very carefully, there were moments when he was very gentle with people, the bruise reads. And there was other times when he was offensive who was he offensive to? The religious establishment, the Pharisees, the, the know-it-alls, uh, the arrogant ones. What that means, thirdly, is you got to practice discernment. And I, I, for the life of me, think that as Christians in this country, we need to develop the skill of discernment. I, I'm going to call it a virtue. We need to cultivate the virtue of discernment along with the virtue of humility. And so that's how I would answer that question. 
That's, man, that's a fantastic answer. I, I mean, I was thinking that same thing about the gospel, and it, it offends. Not, and Luke already said that and said that well. Um, and, and the discernment part, man, that's so right on. I, I think the, the passage that came to mind is when Jesus speaks about being, um, as he says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And so be as innocent as doves, but as shrewd as serpents. Um, and I think that that certainly applies, that principle. Martin Luther King called that being tough-minded, but tender-hearted. Um, and I think, like, that's a guidance for us. We're not being offensive for its own sake, but for the sake of the gospel. Um, and, and as Luke said, I mean, discernment about what's needed with who um, at what time. Stephen, anything? You cannot improve on that. There's okay. nothing left to say. Um, can I throw out a Greek lesson real quick that, that relates to this? Uh, uh, no, that would bring back trauma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I still need, I need to see a therapist. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, so Luke, I'll make my comment, and then you can give me a grade and, and tell me mm. how I did, okay? Um, turnabout is fair play. Uh, so I have to tell you, when I transferred into this presbytery, um, there were several of my former students who were at the presbytery meeting where I was being examined on the floor of presbytery, and it did make me a little bit nervous. I, I will, uh, I'll be honest and say, you know, it was it was their turn to uh, to get out the red pen, and um, so I hope you have a less uh, painful experience. Then I've taught no one, so I'm good. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Um, as I've studied First uh, Corinthians, especially, which talks about g- giving offense, um, sometimes that English term, giving offense, uh, it, it's understood in a way that says, anytime someone says something that disagrees with my personal or cultural preferences, and, and so you, you read First Corinthians, and it says, Hey, you know, if, if there's conflict between weak and strong, then, then you should not do anything that gives offense. So uh, don't do anything that uh, challenges somebody's preferences is the way we often interpret that. But the, the, the Greek word related to giving offense is uh, it, it has to do with stumbling, with tripping. Um, and so if the Christian life is a walk, progress of maturity and toward greater a greater maturity in Christ mm. than, than tripping, falling over something is it's, it interrupts your walk. It, it means your progress toward maturity has been hindered. And so Christians are not uh, called by the scriptures to never do anything that's going to push against somebody else's preferences. What we are called to do is never do anything that's going to hinder somebody else's progress toward maturity in the faith. So if we began to speak about issues of race in a way that drew someone toward idolatry, whether that idolatry is of a certain kind of political system or a certain kind of approach to this or that, if we're encouraging people toward idolatry, well, now we're causing offense in in the the biblical sense in, in an unhealthy way. But if we talk about issues that, that are uncomfortable, 
And some people would say, you know what, I would just prefer that we not have this conversation. Well, that's actually not the kind of offense that the scripture is speaking of. At that point, no one is disrupting your progress toward maturity in Christ. In fact, asking you to engage in a conversation that's a little uncomfortable or awkward might be moving you toward greater maturity. Oh. And uh, so sometimes we can use that offense language in a way that, that uh, uh, isn't lined up with Scripture. And so Scripture isn't saying uh, the Christian life means you will never have to have a Christian brother or sister speak to you about anything that upsets you, <laughs> right? Now, in the Christian life, you, you shouldn't have brothers and sisters speak to you in ways that hinder your maturity and progress in faith in Christ. That's a different kind of offense. Uh, so just making sure that we understand the, the sense of that word and um, uh, we, how we use it in everyday conversation doesn't line up always with what the scriptural texts mean. So we just need to, to, to be careful there. All right, Professor Luke, how'd I do? Oh, let's see. Let me be gracious. Uh-oh. <laughs> that was an A-minus response. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought I was about to get the hammer dropped on me. Man, with all, uh, all these people looking at me, what, what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Could I okay. could I just add just a little bit to what you said, Jimmy? Sure. Just a few words. It says in uh, Proverbs that the the wounds of a friend are faithful. Huh. Sometimes we need to be wounded. I'm thankful for friends in my life that have wounded me, that actually protected me from sin. And I remember this dear sister in Christ said this uh, recently. She said, sometimes when it's uncomfortable, that's likely God calling you to enter in. When we, when we run from things that are uncomfortable, we're actually running from, think about what Jonah did. Didn't he try to run? How did that work out? <laughs> it, it, it didn't work out very well. Hmm. So no one signs up for, no one signs up to be first in line to be uncomfortable, but that's where the Holy Spirit does his work. Hmm. Well, let me uh, finish with this question for each of you guys. It has to do a, a bit with personal testimony, and it's going to have to do with something Luke just said. Nobody signs up to be first in line to become uncomfortable. Um, you guys enter into a lot of conversations with Christian leaders uh, who are across the spectrum of, of readiness to engage in thinking about how, how does the gospel speak to issues of race? How does the gospel speak to issues of justice, especially where structures that once seemed normal and natural, uh, but now we recognize aren't, and we're trying to heal from that. That's got to be uncomfortable. What keeps you going? What, what gives you hope in the middle of all those uncomfortable conversations that 
that even though nobody wants to sign up for it, you keep signing up for it. Why? What is it that, uh, that keeps you motivated? Jimmy, that's a long answer or question. Um, we have three minutes left. Should one of us speak for the rest of us? Go for it. Go ahead, Stephen or Thurman. The, Thurman should take. Thurman should do it. Yes, because oh, you you're yes. the director of homiletics. You have yes. been nominated. Lead us. <laughs> Heal us, O Emmanuel. There's a lot of pressure there, Thurman. Speak man, for us, brother. There is. I feel it. Oh man, man. And but I'm not offended. Okay, I'm not offended. <laughs> what what keeps us in it? Um, man, it's kind of like the question. Sometimes we're, we're talking about people uh, about how God saves messed up people, and you say, "Man, why does He keep saving messed up people?" And they're like, "Ain't nobody else." <laughs> that's everybody. <laughs> and and so why do you stay in it? Like, what else are we going to do? Um, I guess is my, my natural response is um, in following Christ, like th- that's the path that's before us. Are we going to check out? Are we going to, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to do, but, but to stay in it and to keep going. I mean, my life has been richly blessed. Um, by staying in it. And there's been great pain in that too. Um, but I wouldn't, I hesitate to say this, I wouldn't trade either. Um, that's been a part of the package and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Thurman, you, I don't know if you intended to do this, but you, you brought us right back where we started this morning. You know, we, we started by talking about the, um, cross and resurrection rhythm of the Christian life and uh, what, it, what it means to belong to the people of God uh-huh. who have experienced slavery and liberation, uh-huh. who have experienced cross and resurrection and uh, strangely, though nobody wants to sign up to be first in line to be made uncomfortable, the scriptures do say that there can be a boasting in, in, in weakness. And a, our boast becomes the fact that our pain is a sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Oh. And, and there's an honor that comes with em, embracing uh, suffering be, because it's sanctified through Christ's the sufferer. Um, it doesn't make us say the suffering is great and we enjoy it. <laughs> and it doesn't make us say discomfort is comfortable, oh. but it, it, it gives us a hope that says um, Christ can redeem through suffering and he can be with me in this suffering. And my suffering is part of a much bigger story, uh-huh. the story of the people of God and at the heartbeat of the story of the people of God will always be the son of God. Yep. Um, and so thanks for calling us back to that reminder of uh, in, engaging in, in what it means to be crucified and resurrected with Christ. I don't know if there's a better way for us to wrap up. 
and uh, launch into Holy Week and thinking about the death and resurrection of Christ. Stephen, can I ask you to close us in prayer? And uh, I'll just say one last thanks to all of you guys. We'll have a time of thanksgiving for each of you in our worship service coming up. But I want to say personally thank you. I know everybody uh, on our call will join us in that. And Stephen, I'll ask if you could wrap us up with a word of prayer. Yeah, I'm going to do it in, in a song form. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I was about to sound off. <laughs> uh, but I, I do, I do feel called to pray a song that I, I grew up hearing and singing and loving. Lord, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, be with us, help us to trust you to live in this tension, live in the story, so that we as your people, especially here in, in town, can lift your name on high. Amen. And all those who are called saints said, Amen. I didn't hear anybody online. We got, we got <laughs> amen. 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 <laughs> amen. Yeah, we got an amen in all caps over there. Here we go. The amen, somebody. This is a Zoom shout. We're looking for a cue card. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. And uh, see you in worship later. Stephen's going to be preaching for us today. So join us if you're able. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, preacher. Give it to him. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, yes. Appreciate it. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Sarah. Okay. Bye, guys. See you Bye -bye. in town.